0: I'm a fellow pilgrim, a fellow pilgrim with you. But I have to tell you, my heart has been very lonely and sad this morning. My heart has been overflowing, even with tears, with compassion, with concern. both for you who listen, but especially for men and women who have a covenant with death, who think they can continue in their way and everything will be all right. It will not be all right. I have a heart Overflowing for those who do not know Jesus. I went in to see a friend, someone I've been witnessing to, and there, sitting on their counter, was a large statue of Buddha. And my heart was crushed. Jesus is Lord, not Buddha. Buddha is dead. Muhammad is dead. Jesus is alive. But I feel like my voice is muffled in the dust. And I've been crying out to the Lord over this issue, saying, Lord, how will these precious ones ever come to know your glory and your grace? if there is no preacher of righteousness that is filled with the holy spirit that they will listen to and i have to ask you is your heart filled with compassion are you are you in the same place i'm at where you're weeping before the lord for the lost for the for the ones who don't know the lord jesus christ and have never taken refuge in him And for those who claim they've taken refuge in Jesus, but they continue to walk in wickedness, pride, anger, lust, drugs, refuge of lies. I'm overcome with, with tears, with compassion my heart is broken how do we come to terms with with the terrible reality of hell the lord is majestic he is holy he is wonderful beyond words but he's also the judge And he will not be slack in his judgment. The scriptures call it an alien work, but he will do his alien work. What will happen? I want to read a scripture that's been of great comfort to my heart this morning Psalm 31. In you, O Lord, I've taken refuge. Let me never be put to shame. Deliver me in your righteousness. Turn your ear to me. Come quickly to my rescue. Be my rock of refuge, a strong fortress to save me. Since you are my rock and my fortress, for the sake of your name, lead and guide me. Free me from the trap that is set for me, for you are my refuge Into your hands I commit my spirit. Redeem me, O Lord, the God of truth. And as I read that, I said, yes, I've taken refuge in Jesus. Yes, he has turned his ear to me, and he has quickly rescued me. But what about those who cling to worthless idols? What about those who... the Spirit of God has to come to and say, are you serious? I'd be terrified if God came to me and said, are you serious? He calls for a decision. Will I turn away from every refuge that is a lie? I said to friends last night, I've come to a point in my life where everything I do, I test, and I test it in this way. Will this draw me closer to Jesus? Is it a neutral? And of course, there is no such thing as a neutral. You're either going up or you're coasting down. So I ask, is this just a part of our culture, but it doesn't make any difference in my relationship with Jesus? Or is this something that pushes me away from Jesus and makes it harder for me to understand who he is and what he wants? Does it sear my heart so I can't sit down and and read the scriptures with joy? Based on what my spirit answers determines whether I participate or don't those that push me away from Jesus and those that are neutral, I want to move away from. I don't want to participate in them. It's the cross. It's the cross I want. It's to have every refuge of a lie cast out. Verse 21, Praise be to the Lord, for he showed his wonderful love to me when I was in a besieged city. In my alarm I said, I am cut off from your sight. Yet you heard my cry for mercy when I called to you for help. Love the Lord, all his saints. The Lord preserves the faithful, but the proud he pays back in full. Be strong and take heart, all you who hope in the Lord. And I say, yes, that is who he is. But what about the lost? What about those who cling to worthless idols? I don't want to see them washed away in the flood of fire. I don't want to be washed away in the flood of fire because I've been unfaithful to my Lord. In Isaiah, Isaiah 28. You who boast, we have entered into a covenant with death. With a grave, we have made an agreement. When an overwhelming scourge sweeps by, it cannot touch us. For we've made a lie our refuge and a falsehood our hiding place. If you are still walking in disobedience to the Almighty God, if you are still participating in the things of this world, the flesh and the devil, and you think you are safe, you have made a covenant with death. You've made a lie your refuge. Will you let God search your heart? I've asked him, please, Lord, search my heart. See if there's any unclean thing in my heart. This was David's cry in Psalm 51. Have mercy on me, O God. According to your unfailing love. Literally in the Hebrew, it's saying, Have mercy on me, O God, or come and express moaning of a parent over a sick child. Show me affection, Lord. According to your unfailing love, a disposition to do something for me. According to your great compassion, your tender pity. Will you do something, Lord? Will you blot out my transgressions? Will you wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin? I've been praying that for people that I love that are still resisting the Holy Spirit and are not walking in the presence of Jesus. I've been saying, Lord, will you have mercy on them? Will you come and moan over them? Will you come and show them tender mercies? I have one person that I care very much about. When I tried to speak to them about Jesus, they got angry with me, cut me off and said, don't talk to me about Jesus. I don't want to hear it. A very kind person, a very loving person, a courteous person, but suddenly angry. I've been praying, oh, Lord. This Buddhist, would you have mercy? Would you have mercy on this person according to your unfailing love? Lord, they've never really heard the gospel. They don't even believe you exist. And yet they want to walk in integrity, they want to walk in love, they want to make a contribution. There are very good values in their heart and life, and they they sacrifice themselves for other people. I'm saying, Lord, would you have mercy on them? According to your unfailing love, will you have mercy? According to your great compassion, will you blot blot out their transgressions? Forgive them, O God wash away their iniquity, cleanse them from their sin. I've been saying, Lord, Lord, they've never heard the gospel preached. They've never felt the power of your Holy Spirit. I've been very privileged. From an earliest child, I have felt and known the presence of the Holy Spirit in guiding me and directing my steps. From the various early early years of my life, I have known that Jesus was Lord. Now, I've not walked well in that sometimes. I've made many mistakes, but he's been so kind. I lay in bed this morning in the early hours before, before daylight, about 4 o'clock, 4.30, singing praises to the Lord, worshiping him because of his great kindness to me, because of his, his mercy to me. He has held me in his hands and carried me. I know that. I have experienced that. That's my reality, being carried by God, being cared for, being provided everything I need. He has been everything to me. But Lord, what about that person? I love them. I'd do anything to... Have them open their mind. But I can't do that. That's a work your Holy Spirit must do. I'm concerned about you who listen. Because some of you who are listening are still walking in rebellion against God, living in a a place where you think you're okay and everything's fine and you're making progress but you still have withheld from Jesus your life. You have your favorite escapes. You have your, your favorite places where you go to veg out. You have, you have your sports. You have your food, your favorite restaurants. You have your work. You have your family. You have your life. All of that needs to be given to Jesus. This refuge of lies must be broken. There are some things the Holy Spirit has been speaking to you about, but you've been saying, no, 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 this really doesn't matter, Jesus. Come on. You know how much I enjoy this. You know how important this has always been to me in my life. You can't mean that I should give this up, Jesus. He wants to be first in your heart. That's why he comes and asks the question, Are you serious? Are you serious? Only those who are serious will enter the kingdom of God. My father, in our prayer time, in our family, every morning and every evening, quoted a passage of scripture that is very precious to me. I've learned, as he learned, to make this central in my prayers Psalm 51, beginning in verse 10. Create in me a pure heart, O God. Renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will turn back to you. That's what I want. I want that pure heart. I want that clean heart. I want to walk in his presence. I want the fullness of Pentecost baptism in my life. I want the full joy of the salvation of the Lord in my heart. I want a willing spirit to obey quickly every command of the Holy Spirit. I want all of that so that I can teach transgressors the ways of God and that men and women who are caught in their covenant with death, will wake up and turn from that covenant and cast it down and get a covenant with life with Jesus Christ. I want sinners to turn back to Jesus. Verse 17 is crucial. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit. A broken and contrite heart, O oh God, you will not despise, or isaiah 66 two this is the one I esteem, he who is humble and contrite in spirit, and trembles at my word. all morning I've been trembling at the word of God that's brought tears. I've been crying out to him for you. For those who still have a covenant with death. People that I dearly love. People that matter. I've been saying, Jesus, would you have mercy upon them? According to your great compassion, Jesus, will you have mercy upon them? And I've been naming names. I've been going down the list. And I've been weeping over them. Because I don't want to see them go to hell. Hell is real. Do you understand? We're not in some kind of self-improvement game. There is a heaven to win and a hell to miss. We are going to come before the judge of the earth, and we are going to face the reality of what we have done in this life. And we are not covered by some supposed declaration of righteousness. We are either made righteous or we are going to be cast out. He said, many are called, but few are chosen. Why? Because only a few would submit to his rulership in their heart and in their life and submit fully to his commands, but you're going to go home this evening or you're at home already and you're going to sit down and watch wickedness on the television or on the internet or you're going to turn to some other entertainment and you're going to say, it's okay. I'm okay watching this. One Christian man loves a television show about vampires. It's entertaining to him, vampires fighting with human beings. How wicked can a man get to sit down and watch a demonic show and call himself a Christian? My heart's just overwhelmed today, guys. I'm sorry. I don't mean to be so over the edge, but I really am over the edge. I'm just crying out to the Lord and saying, Lord, will you have mercy on your people? Will you wash away their iniquity? Will you cleanse them? Would you raise up a standard? Isaiah 24. See, the Lord is going to lay waste the earth and devastate it. He will ruin its face and scatter its inhabitants. It will be the same for the priest as for the people, for the master as for the servant, for the mistress as for the maid, for the seller as for the buyer, for the borrower and the lender. For debtor and creditor, the earth will be completely laid waste and totally plundered. The Lord has spoken this word. The earth dries up and withers. The world languishes and withers. The exalted of the earth uh, languish. The earth is defiled by its people. They've disobeyed the laws and violated the statutes and broken the everlasting covenant. Therefore a curse concerns the earth consumes the earth its people must bear their guilt therefore earth's inhabitants are burned up and very few are left this is isaiah 24 the floodgates of heaven are opened the foundations of the earth shake the earth is broken up the earth is Split asunder, the earth is thoroughly shaken, the earth reels like a drunkard, it sways like a hut in the wind. So heavy upon it is its guilt in its rebellion that it falls never to rise again. In that day, the Lord will punish the powers in the heavens above and the kings on the earth below. They will be herded together like prisoners bound in a dungeon. They will be shut up in prison and be punished after many days. My brother, my sister... What do you think the dust bowl in the western part of the United States is about? The wickedness of the West is being exposed. California's wickedness is being exposed. Nevada's wickedness at Las Vegas and other wicked places, it's being exposed. And the water's drying up. The Lord said he would do that. We see the judgments of God coming upon the earth. We're right on the brink of war with Russia and China. Can you imagine the destruction of a nuclear strike? Oh, God. How horrific, how, how ugly, how, how terrible. Because we have broken the everlasting covenant, America's protection has been removed because we have gone the way of the woke, of the ungodly, of the wicked, of those who burn and pillage and rape. We call evil good and we call good evil gender-fluid, pansexual, such ugliness, such utter wickedness. How do we turn and say, Oh God, have mercy on these precious people. Have mercy on Our president, have mercy on those who have stolen and lied and cheated. I know the condemnation that's coming. They don't need my condemnation. They don't need my judgment. They need the mercy of God to turn their hearts to righteousness Let me read for you another passage of Scripture. During the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with loud cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverent submission Although he was a son, he learned obedience from what he suffered and once made perfect or once made mature in his mission. He became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him, not all who claim his name, not all who say, I'm saved because I believe in Jesus. No. The devil believes in Jesus. He knows he's real. It's those who obey him, who deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow Jesus. We have much to say about all of this, but it's hard to explain because you're slow to learn. This is Hebrews, the fifth chapter. In fact... Let us, therefore, leave the elementary teachings about Christ and go on to maturity, not laying again the foundation of repentance from acts that lead to death and of faith in God, instructions about baptisms, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, the eternal judgment, and God permitting we will do so. Well, what does... What does he go to immediately after that? In other words, he's going to go on to maturity. Well, what is maturity? He begins to speak about judgment, not about love. (laughs) Land that drinks in the rain, often falling on it, and that produces a crop useful to those for whom it is farmed, receives the blessing of God. But... Land that produces thorns and thistles is worthless and is in danger of being cursed. In the end, it will be burned. So when he says, look, let's go on. Let's talk about the real deal here. Let's not, let's not go to the milk. Let's go to the meat. He's saying, look, your situation is going to be dire if you accept the blessings of Jesus on your life and continue to produce thorns and thistles, things that choke out the productivity of your life. Remember the parable Jesus taught of the four kinds of soil. The third kind was good soil, but thorns and thistles grew in it and choked out the fruit. He's saying in the end, that good land will be burned. Now, even though we speak like this, dear friends, we're confident of better things in your case, and I'm confident of better things in most of your cases. God is not unjust. He will not forget your work and the love you've shown him as you've helped his people and continue to help them. We want each of you to show this same diligence to the very end in order to make your hope sure. We do not want you to become lazy, but to imitate those who through faith and patience inherit what has been promised. Now, he goes on through this book of Hebrews. And what does he talk about? He talks about the blood of Jesus Christ that turns us from every wicked behavior and opens the way for us to walk in righteousness, to draw near to God with a sincere heart. Now, he says if we deliberately keep on sinning, this is the 10th chapter of Hebrews. After we've received the knowledge of the truth, no sacrifice for sins is left, but only a fearful expectation of judgment and of raging fire that will consume the enemies of God. That's why he says, look, we've got to go on to maturity. I can tell you now, those of you who are only receiving the milk, Jesus loves me, this I know. You're only walking in the sweet gospel you will not make it through to the other side. You are going to have to very clearly come to a place in your life where you understand the difference between righteousness and wickedness. where you have utterly given yourself to Jesus Christ. Now, in the book of 1 Peter, in the second chapter, Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice, and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, slander of every kind. Like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. Now that you've tasted that the Lord is good. Now, as you come to him, the living stone, and by the way, we all start with the sweet milk, and the sweet milk of the gospel breaks the power of the addictions of drugs, breaks the power of, of sin. And we're converted. We're transformed. We're metamorphosed. We become new creatures in Christ. Our hearts are, are circumcised by Jesus personally. It's a supernatural work of grace. But this is when we go on to maturity and we practice and begin to understand the difference between right and wrong, sin and righteousness, in the deep things of the Spirit, in the deep things of our heart, in attitudes, in thoughts in our mind, in feelings that are wicked before God. That feeling will just come, but that doesn't mean it gets to remain. It's quickly confronted. I know this feeling of anger is not from God. I refuse it. Now, where's this anger coming from? Where in my heart is there yet a place of judgment against another person? And I begin to deal with that. Some of you, much to my sorrow, quickly turn from the lost and call them garbage. Derogatory terms. Scornful terms. That has to be removed from your heart. Instead, there needs to be a weeping in your spirit over them. a Crying out to God for them. Because... This is 1 Peter, the second chapter, verse 4. As you come to him, the living stone rejected by men, but chosen by God and precious to him. You also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ, and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the message. You'll notice it does not say they stumble because of ignorance. Because after you have cried out for them, and after you have asked God to moan over them, after you've pled with the Lord to step in, not judging them, not cursing them, not consigning them to the garbage can, but crying out to God for their changed heart. A time will come when they will totally turn against the Lord Jesus Christ. And they will refuse to be shaped as a stone to be placed in the temple of God. Jesus is a stone that causes men to stumble because men want their own wicked ways. He is a rock that makes men and women fall who insist on going after their drugs or their refuge that is a lie. Jesus did not come to bring peace on the earth. He came to bring a sword that would separate the righteous from the wicked. He came to destroy the work of the devil in 1st John. to abstain from sinful desires which war against your soul. And that's why I come saying to you today, the second chapter, verse 24, he himself bore our sins in his body on the tree so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. For you were like sheep going astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your soul. My Brother, my sister, if you have returned to the shepherd of your soul, how can you not weep before God? For the lost and those who have a covenant with death and are walking in utter deception before an almighty God, how can you not weep for them? How does your heart not fill with compassion? How can you cast them off and say they're deserving of what they get? Oh, we're all deserving of judgment and death. It's God's mercy that has saved us. It's his kindness that has redeemed us. It's his blood that has washed us and made us clean. There's no room for pride in this walk with Jesus. There's no room for judging one another. There's no room for cutting off one another. There's no reason to call one another garbage. We've come to walk with Jesus and to cry out for the lost and the dying. The end is near. And my question to you, are you serious? Will you let Jesus search your heart and uncover all hardness of spirit. Will you let Jesus search your heart and deal with those judgments, slander, gossip, bitterness? Will you let Jesus live his mercy through you? Will you weep as Moses did for the children of Israel? Will you intercede for the lost and the dying, for the Buddhist, for the Islamic? Will you weep for the Hindu? Will you weep for the agnostic? Will you cry out to God for his mercy, for the lost and the dying, who will soon find their way being cast into hell if this does not stir you there's a hardness in your heart that must be taken out of you there is a a casualness that must be removed there is a fire that must be placed in your heart and you must cry aloud for the holy spirit that you would have the strength and the power in the spirit of god to confront the lost and dying in such a way that their hearts will be drawn to jesus that they will Understand their condition before God, that they will fall under deep conviction of sin and turn quickly and repent and get right and proclaim Jesus as their Lord and as their Savior. This is a work the Holy Spirit must do in your heart. I can remember a time when I had no compassion for the lost. I was deeply disturbed by it. I began to cry out to God about it. And He has been slowly humbling my heart before Him and giving me such a passion for the lost and the dying that I sometimes think my heart will burst. And I'm saying, Oh God, oh God. This is not an intellectual deal. This is not a head deal. This is a heart deal. This is the loving of the lost and the dying. This is letting God search your heart to see if you're lukewarm or cold or if your heart is on fire in love For others and for Jesus. What is your spiritual condition today before Almighty God? What is your cry for the lost? Well, we're almost out of time today. At least could we pray? Lord Jesus, I come acknowledging that many times I've had no compassion for the lost. And then, Jesus, you brought such a flood of people into my life who are lost. And I found that I love them. Men and women who had no knowledge of you, and frankly, many who wanted no knowledge of you because they saw the wickedness of the Christian church and they scorned, The whole Christian deal. Lord, you began to put in my heart such a passion for the loss that I thought my heart would burst. Lord, I'm praying that those listening today will be granted that same passion, that your spirit will search their hearts and ask, Are you serious? that they will put away everything of the world, the flesh, and the devil, and they will seek you with all of their heart, that they will be on fire in their spirit and love and passion to share with others the gospel that has come about your kingdom and your forgiveness, and your changing a sinful person into a righteous person. Lord, I pray now for every person listening. I pray your mercy. I pray your passion. I pray your glory. But above all, I pray for your Holy Spirit baptism to come upon the pastors and the churches and upon those listening. I ask for a total infilling of your Holy Spirit o oh Lord, would you have mercy upon us today? Would you grant unto us a compassionate heart? Would you remove from our heart all anger, bitterness, wrath, malice, judgments, all condescation Lord, when we are condescending toward a person, it pushes them away from you. When we think we're better, when we think we have the truth, Lord, humble my heart before you. Humble our hearts. Give me that contrite heart. Lord, I thank you. Would you minister today to each who is listening encouraging and strengthening them in this journey, this pilgrimage toward the celestial city. I pray in your holy name. Amen. I'm Ray Greenlee from the National Prayer Chapel. I hope this has been helpful to you. I hope your heart is stirred and that you will get on your face before God and deal honestly with him. that all coldness would be removed from your heart, all lukewarmness would be stripped out of you, that you would be set on fire for the gospel of Jesus. You can write to me at the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. We're still a long way away from having the ability to pay this month's radio. I need your help if the Holy Spirit is prompting you to give. Please don't withhold. Give hilariously. Write to me the National Prayer Chapel Post Office Box 2346 Woodbridge, Virginia 22195 You can also go to our webpage You can give online We have Many broadcasts, podcasts, videos all there for you. It's a brand new web page. Brother Ed Pugh has done an awesome job. I'd love to hear from you. God bless you. I love you. I'll talk to you soon.